Hey there, everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Drip Podcast, the podcast where we need movies like we need our coffee. As always, I am Scott Lentz, joined by my good friend and co-host, Christian Ubius, as we wrap up our Star Wars blend of the month here, looking back at the original trilogy. Gotta say, Christian, it's been a fun time reflecting on some of my favorite movies Mm. of all time, and from what I gather, some of yours as well, as we discussed. I I gave all three of the movies five stars. So you're uh, you're a better man than me. I gave the first two five stars, and Return of the Jedi gets a a nice four star from me. So It's because you like to hurt me. It's true, Christian, but when we think about the grand scope of this podcast, it feels that you have hurt me in terms of, of movies and star ratings more than I've hurt you, I, I feel. Um, look, that is true. That is true. <laughs> I'm not going to fight it. <laughs> a couple, uh, couple quick thoughts here at the top of the episode. First of all, a bit, of, a bit of an apology here for the delay in recording. We're actually recording this much later than we normally do because I finally caught COVID. <laughs> it took three years and two months, but he got me. So I needed a couple days to recuperate. I love that you're saying finally, like you were waiting for the day. I was just waiting for my time in the COVID spotlight, Christian. Really, it's not a spotlight at all. I've just been locked in a room and eating small amounts of food and drinking high amounts of tea and Gatorade. So (laughs) we've been hanging in there. On a more positive note, see what I did there? Uh, Yeah, it's true. uh, On an actual positive note and not just referring to my test, I want to give a big shout out to Nick Viner, our guest from last week's episode, who allowed us to use one of his brand new songs in the episode last week. So very generous of him. Shout out to our guy. It's called Open Season. Uh, Y'all heard like a sampling of it at the last episode. Um, Yo, how much money do we have? Have we made from this podcast so that we can like commission him to write us a song? Uh, I think Christian that we have made zero dollars off of this podcast so far. (laughs) So guys, increase our listenership. (laughs) We'll start a Patreon, and at the twenty-five dollar tier, we'll get Nick Viner to (laughs) to write you a song as a thank Um, you. Uh, Nick, super talented guy. Nick, we love you. And Nick will be joining us in August to share his top five movies of the year so far. Incredible. We get him back. We do. I'll, I'll have him send me another song so I can sample at the end of that one. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Christian, today is, yes. normally it's our, our bonus episode, as we like to call it, for the month, where we'll do something like a top five list, or maybe like for video games last month, we did a grab bag discussing just a wide variety of movies. Some we did recommend, some we didn't. But what do we have in store for today's episode? This is going to be a an open forum conversation between you and I, two middle-aged men. Uh, not quite. <laughs> Mid-20s-aged men. <laughs> Much better. <laughs> talking about something that makes both of us and many other 20-year-old, 30-year-old, 40-year-old, 50-year-old, 60-year-old, 70-year-old men happy, and that is Star Wars. Women... Couldn't care less. Women of all ages, no. Just men. <laughs> Adult men. I I think women like all types of Star Wars stories and are can, can do whatever they want, Christian. <laughs> you, Amen. You heard, me. you heard me. I support women's rights to do whatever they want. It's true. That's, that's true. Good job, Scott. Proud of you. It's the weakest and lamest statement for... Uh, 
<laughs> for a, a, a feminist stance, maybe perhaps in the history of men taking feminist stances. Let's get back to Star Wars, Christian. <laughs> so something, let me actually, what year did Rogue One come out? Was it 2016, 17? Using my handy dandy Wikipedia chart, Rogue One came out the day after my 21st birthday, December 16th, 2016. Okay, so Rogue One came out in 2016, and then something really important happened in 2019, which is that The Last Skywalker came out. The Rise of Skywalker, Christian. Let's let's get it right. The Rise the, of Skywalker. The Rise of Skywalker came out and made a bunch of money, but was so unbelievably awful that it completely reset Star Wars movies for a bit. Yeah, The Rise of Skywalker came at such an unusual point in Star Wars history because we had gone from having time and space between Star Wars movies to just a sudden onslaught of Star Wars stuff after Disney purchased Lucasfilm, of course. So not only did we have the sequel trilogy, but we had Rogue One, we had news about other movies like a potential boba fett movie and a potential obi-wan kenobi movie we had solo became a movie solo actually did release that's right after much behind the scenes problems we had video games coming out it was just it was a lot of star wars all at once and i think that was a bad thing (laughs) but uh, i don't think i'm alone in that i know some people disagree also because for some people more star wars is just happy for them because it's their favorite franchise and I, I do share that mindset in some respects because I've been enjoying some of the Star Wars TV shows more than others, it seems. So. Okay, so we need to very much so at the beginning of this make a, make a are we talking about this for the Star Wars fans or are we going to be talking about this for everyone? Well, I mean, I think we a might... bit of both, right? Because I don't, okay. I mean, where do, where do you consider yourself? Because I think sometimes when people think of a Star Wars fan, quote unquote, they, they do think about a guy in his mid to late 30s who's wearing a Star Wars TV shirt or Star Wars t-shirt hasn't shaved in a few days and is just like angrily yelling about why Rey is a, a bad character, you know, or they, or why the last Jedi is the worst movie ever made in the history of movies. And obviously yeah, men suck. Absolutely. I support women's rights and men's wrongs. Um, you support men's wrongs. So men should continue to do wrong. Shoot, I did it wrong. Anyway, support myself. I think obviously star Wars fans are just, it's a wide ranging group. You know, I think of, there's a family that, that um, you know, my wife and uh, you, we knew them through a church we attended. And this family, I, I'm pretty sure their kids have never watched any of the Star Wars movies, but they like Star Wars because they've gotten to read some of the young readers books. I know the oldest kid, he got a, like a Darth Vader or a Kylo Ren costume for his birthday uh, when he, you know, a couple of years ago. So a Star Wars fan can mean so many different things. So I think where I'm coming at it is I'm not sort of a fanatical Star Wars fan where I find the series is either immune to criticism or that only I have the right opinions about Star Wars because there are some people like that, you know, but I'm also not so, I'm not into deep, basically is what I'm saying. I really love Star Wars, but I can also look at it with some distance between me and the franchise. Here is the the thing that I keep coming back to, which is Star Wars is really big. And one of the things that Star Wars is feeds off of in every single show and iteration is nostalgia. And for people who have never seen 
the original movies, or maybe they just don't care. Maybe they have seen the movies, maybe they like them, and they just don't care. Uh, that's not enough for them to sustain it all. So Rogue One, and I love Rogue One. You know how much I love Rogue One, but Rogue One feeds off of a lot of nostalgia. Like, you have the entire building of the Death Star who, for someone who has never seen A New Hope, might not care. And you have the scene at the end with Darth Vader, which I think is a pretty epic scene. But um, I think mileage might vary for people who have who are not as familiar, do not care as much about Darth Vader as just one of the most iconic characters in all of movie history. Absolutely. I feel like recently I... I think I watched a YouTube video, actually, that was old at this point. It, it came out closer to the rise of Skywalker than to this conversation. But the the guy who was you know, talking in the video was saying how that particular scene was basically just pure nostalgia bait. And I was like, you know, I remember being in the theater and being like, this is so cool, Darth Vader's wasted these dudes, you know, because I like Darth Vader, <laughs> but... The, the, the YouTuber I was watching was pointing out how this scene was unnecessary. We just had this whole movie with all these other characters. We didn't really need this epilogue with the, the one or two characters we already knew. And you can see that, that tension with Star Wars, where you have this long-running franchise to relate to and to draw from, but that nostalgia can be used for good or for bad. And of course it varies just on how different people relate to different scenes sometimes Darth Vader popping up like you know was one of those things that made the movie for someone like you or me and for some other fans it was just like a stupid decision that Disney made to <laughs> tug at our heartstrings and get us to go see it again oh, okay that that I mean what's what's how can we even move on let me let me give a brief overview not not of Rogue One but of what's happened Rogue One came out Last Jedi came out which was actually trying to move away from Star Wars in a in a in a sense of the word he even has a scene at the end of burning Jedi Cortex, which is there on purpose. Let's just go with that. <laughs> Kylo Ren, what does he say? He says, you know, destroy, destroy the past, kill it if you have to. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> Theme noticed. Solo comes out, which has like an inter, an, an inter scene somewhere in the middle of oh uh, Darth Maul is in spoilers if you have never seen Solo but I honestly think if you have not seen it by now you're not trying to seek it out yeah yeah Darth Maul I remember I actually didn't see Solo in the theaters and I'm pretty sure it's the only it it may be the only Star Wars movie I don't see in theaters since everything since Revenge of the Sith I even saw the Clone Wars animated movie in theaters and I remember seeing that little Darth Maul scene pop up and I was like what the heck because I was watching it on Redbox. Shout out to the good people at Redbox. And I hadn't seen any other Star Wars TV shows or whatever that resurrected Darth Maul. So I was so shocked. And yet again, for some people it was like, what the hell, this guy, why is this guy here? He died in that one movie that came out all those years ago. What does this have to do with anything? And then Rise of, Rise of Skywalker comes in. Which is basically like, guys, we tried something new. We're not sure about it because all of you hate it and are and are, are very mean online. Just hating each other for the takes that you have. Therefore, we're going to go back. We're just going to make... We're going to bring Palpatine back. We're going to make a big, big, big thingy that's kind of like a Death Star. Except it's like a hundred Death Star guns on a planet. Um, you know what? We're actually going to make Rey related to Palpatine. The thing we said about her parents being nobodies is is is, is a lie. Just a joke. Just kidding. We're good. 
Chewbacca's gonna be here, and we're almost gonna kill him, but we're not, because you guys like Chewbacca. C-3PO's gonna lose his memory, and his, all the things that he remembers from all these movies, except, no, he's not. No, he's not. Um, and it... I, I, I honestly don't want to keep talking about it. The, the thing that Star Wars is kind of most known for now for a lot of people is TV shows. Not not overall. Overall, yes, the original trilogy is what is known, and then and then that is what spawned everything. But they are in the business of TV more than anything else. Considering the Rise of Skywalker is the last movie, which comes out December twenty nineteen. Since then, we have gotten so much TV. We got the final season of the Clone Wars. We got which was like a de- I don't know how many at least seven years after the Clone Wars originally ended. Something like that. It, the, this final season came out in 2020, and I'm pretty sure the Clone Wars ended in 2013, 14, something like that. Something along those lines. But then we get the Mandalorian, of course, which is the one of the flagship shows helping to launch Disney Plus. We get the Book of Boba Fett with that. We get The Bad Batch, which is a new animated TV show, and along with that comes Visions, which is animated shorts. Meanwhile, we also get the Obi-Wan Kenobi miniseries, and now the Andor series, which of course is bringing in a character from Rogue One. And there's more, yet more, animated shows being produced that are still releasing episodes, and there's so many more shows in the pipeline. The Mandalorian's gone for three seasons now. It's crazy that we've we've gotten, uh, I don't even know, that maybe a couple hundred hours of, of TV. That might be too ambitious, but well over a hundred hours of TV since the last two and a half hours of Star Wars movie. There's a thing that... Mm, okay. Okay. Look. Star Wars probably has the most toxic fan base. I actually think it, it wins that that competition very handedly. I'm trying to think. <laughs> Fan bases aren't always known for being loving and accepting, so <laughs> there's a lot of I mean, fun ones to choose from. Uh, Taylor Swift is up there. <laughs> hey, careful now. This is a pro Taylor Swift podcast. We support. I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying I am pro or against Taylor Swift. I am saying the fan base. Um, can you're be gonna, iffy. You're going to get our podcast canceled. The Swifties are going to come after you, Christian. Sure. Um, now look the issue with the sequel trilogy and I think why Star Wars is kind of in disarray is because every single writer and director who helmed one of the movies was given a blank sheet of paper and they said write a movie now I know that you like The Force Awakens I actually do not like The Force Awakens Uh, I know that both of us love The Last Jedi Um, And I know both of us do not like the Lost movie. However, the entire trilogy suffers because one isn't leading to the other. Absolutely. And because one isn't leading to the other, it then felt as though, what actually is Star Wars? Because the original trilogy is trying to do something. It tells the story about the fall of the Empire. The prequel trilogy is trying to do something. It's telling the story about the rise of the Empire. The sequel trilogy is maybe talking about Jedi and where they are, except not really, because it's also talking about where the Force is and how anyone can have the Force and not be a Jedi, except it's also talking about how awesome it was when Jedi were there, but also talking about how 
the legacy characters are the best characters, but also not really. <laughs> That's the problem with the the sequel trilogy, right? Is that you know for I so I do love the Force Awakens, and one one thing that I loved about it is that it basically copy pasted the original Star Wars movie. It copy pasted the narrative beats, similar characters, and gave us some lovable new characters. And it just proved to me that, hey, that, that formula, that movie, still works. <laughs> it works magically. And you can basically repeat it and have just as much fun at the movies. And for someone like you, and plenty others more, that became a negative. It was just, okay, so if you're going to make a new Star Wars movie, then why are you just going to remake an old Star Wars movie with different characters? Why not tell it an entirely original story? But then The Last Jedi does something extremely original. And that's, again, one of the reasons that I love The Last Jedi is that, like you're saying, we sort of get to see where that trilogy is going. Like you're saying, the original movies are about the fall of the Empire. The prequel trilogy is about the rise of the Empire. We obviously have no Empire to work with in the sequel trilogy until they gave us the First Order, like it or not. And what it could have been about was broadening the galaxy beyond the skywalkers beyond tatooine beyond palpatine and all these characters that we had already known and spent so much time with but of course with the negative backlash that came from the last jedi which i feel like to date i still have not heard like a good a good criticism of that movie that's not either like don't mess with my star wars or like people the people who bullied um uh, I'm forgetting the name of the actress who played Grace? Rose. Oh, Rose. Uh, but they, I, I should be remembering her name, but they basically bullied her off of social media because she was getting so many hateful comments on her like Instagram posts. And so Disney tries to rebound with The Rise of Skywalker, which is retcon the movie, and it's retconning all of these things that Ryan Johnson was trying to set up in The Last Jedi, like Rey being a nobody and the Force being available to everybody. And the Jedi Order being misguided and ultimately unnecessary in the grand scheme of the galaxy and, and how we can move on without it. And there's all of these interesting thematic threads that just get completely cut off <laughs> or resolved super underwhelmingly because Disney brings back J.J. Abrams and kind of force him to try to do, uh, you know, make something out of nothing. Um, which is just unfortunate. Her name is Kelly Marie Tran. Kelly Marie Tran. Thank you. I should have remembered that. So it's it's just a shame. Like the the first two Star Wars trilogy. I mean, even the prequels. One thing I have heard, you know, pe- fans of the movies who do not like the prequel trilogy, fans of Star Wars, I should say, who don't like the prequel trilogy, can at least say, you know, it is one person's vision. George Lucas directed all three movies. He wrote all three movies, the only exception being a writer named Jonathan Hales sharing a screenplay credit on Attack of the Clones. And they, all three of them were produced by Rick McCallum. There, There is a clear creative team Yo, bringing all three Attack of these movies of the, together. Two people worked on Attack of the Clones, and it was still Attack of the Clones. <laughs> you were thinking about Jonathan Hales being like, I don't know, if I probably didn't work together. He probably, like wrote his own draft, and then George Lucas was like, I don't know about this, I'm going to do it myself, and then gave Anakin the I hate sand speech. But, you know, it's one person's vision, at the very least. I don't even think it needs to be one person's vision. I just think that there needs to be a vision. Yeah, I agree. And, and that's what I was getting at, is that even critics of the prequels could say, at least there's like a coherent vision. And if I don't like the execution, I can still respect it for what Lucas was getting at. 
Okay, and and I have here. Here's my thing about Star Wars. I have always been a proponent that um, move up in time, like go a hundred or so years into the future when everyone's dead. Maybe keep a character like what's her name? Mav is Mav's the the Mav. ancient one in the what? Wait, which are you talking about? Lupita Nyong'o's character? Yeah, Mav Kanata. Sure, Maz, like, sure, keep Maz because she's ancient. But everyone else, just just get rid of them and, and, and tell a new new story. doesn't mean we can't ever go back to what happened in that time frame with those characters. It just means that we have other stories that we can tell that um, we don't already know what's going on. Like, here's, here's the thing about... I love Andor. I think Andor is, is an amazing, amazing TV show. And I think one of the things that help it is that Tony Gilroy, the showrunner of that of that TV show, doesn't care about Star Wars. He basically just said, I wanted to write a spy thriller. And it feels like, yes, you do see TIE Fighters. Yes, they are talking about the Emperor. Yes, that... Andor there is, is a character an... from this other movie. Andor is a character from this other movie, but it's so well thought out. It's so talking about... The horrors that are going on under this imperial regime, the people who are locked in this prison system, what is going on with everyone, and I, I, I did love that. And like you're saying, there's there's a coherent vision, not just but, but like yes. visually and thematically, there, there's something clear and coherent being put on screen. You know what's going to happen at the end of season two of Andor? What's going to happen, Christian? Cassian Andor is going to be at the place that we find him in, helping the resistance at the beginning of Rogue One. And I do take a pause for a moment and say, why are we stuck with the same? The Mandalorian came in, and what I appreciate about the Mandalorian is that it tried to say, we're going to stick within the same time frame, but we're not going to stick with the same people. There are characters in this galaxy other than the Jedi. And I appreciate that a lot about the Mandalorian. But, I mean, we're getting the Ahsoka tie-in. Uh, not tie-in. Ahsoka's getting a, her own TV show, which I'm really excited about because Ahsoka was a character that I did love from the original Clone Wars. However, um, look, there, there, there's, there's, there's just, we know that eventually these events lead up to or will result in the rise of the First Order. Right. Um, I think it's important at this point, at least, to step back and talk about Dave Filoni. How, uh, yes, we should. Yeah, I, I'm not sure how how much you care about Dave Filoni, Christian, or his contributions to Star Wars. but I love the Clone Wars. Like, the, the original, I, I used to watch those on Cartoon Network when I was a kid. Yes. I loved them. So, for the uninitiated, Dave Filoni is a longtime Star Wars writer and director. His, he wears a cowboy hat. He wears a cowboy hat everywhere. That's, that's his shtick. And in fact, he has cast himself and other directors on The Mandalorian within the show. And so there's scenes where people are like, go into this bar where the New Republic Rangers hang out or wherever, and you can see him and, and Deborah Chow and I think Rick Famuyiwa, uh, maybe someone else, but he's got his cowboy hat on. But Dave Filoni has a background in animation, eventually gets hired over at Lucasfilm, and helps get Star Wars The Clone Wars off the ground. And his career 
uh, of course, continues on primarily at Lucasfilm. So he is not only instrumental in The Clone Wars, but also in Star Wars Rebels, which is an animated TV show that explores the time sort of just before the events of the original Star Wars movies, and then concurrently with some of the others. And he helps create a show called Resistance that is not as widely known, but is set during the new the sequel trilogy. And he has also worked on The Bad Batch, which is set between the prequels and the original trilogy. And The Mandalorian, of course, which he helped uh, to create with Jon Favreau. Or I guess The Mandalorian is technically created by Jon Favreau, but Filoni is a very key collaborator. He writes and directs a lot of the episodes alongside Favreau. So his approach is, is often criticized by people who aren't as much fans of the wider Star Wars universe because... Basically, what he will often do is he will bring back characters that he has previously created or who previously appeared in older Star Wars shows, and he will bring them back to the new shows. And that is, uh, is again, a sort of a cinematic universe problem that Star Wars TV is now dealing with, where you have characters popping up, and diehard fans of Star Wars TV shows are getting so excited because they're like, holy crap, it's that guy. And Star Wars non-fans are like, holy crap, who is that guy? And why should I care? And there's a whole meme about it. Are you familiar with the Glup Shitto meme, Christian? <laughs> I, I, You're just saying words right now. I don't know what that is. So obviously, Star Wars characters often have silly names. And somebody once, once tweeted or did a Tumblr post, I don't even know, but made a meme about how Star Wars fans will get so excited about anyone. And they'll say oh my gosh, it's Glup Shitto, and <laughs> we're supposed to be excited about it. And Star Wars fans never beat the, the, the Glup Shitto allegations, so it were. So a lot of those types of characters are Dave Filoni characters, who he creates in the Clone Wars and then reappear in Rebels, or who show up again in the Bad Batch, or who get brought into live action in the Mandalorian. And that is, uh, you know... For all of the good that Filoni has done, I think The Clone Wars is a good show. I think Rebels is a good show. There's also some negatives, too, as the universe continues to expand. Yes, there is good in it, and there's coolness in these shows. Nice Star Wars quote there. <laughs> because there's, they, we're, we're exploring things that we were not known to explore before. We're exploring worlds. Like, this is, it's a big universe. And it's cool that, that we can go to different places in it. Um, I don't know. There, there's, there's no but to it, really. I just, maybe, maybe it's just me. Um, I'm kind of tired of the Empire. I'm, I'm, I, we did the Empire. The Empire was an amazing villain. I'm kind of tired of the Empire. Um, and, and yeah, I'm going to watch Ahsoka. I'm going to try to see who, what, what's, what's the villain's name? High General Admiral Thrawn? Yes, Admiral Thrawn. Who first appears in Rebels, not the Clone Wars. Well, Rebels. He first appeared in like some of the Star Wars books. I haven't read a single Star Wars <laughs> book, not not a second of a Star Wars book. I have a distinct memory of doing a book report in fourth or fifth grade on a Star Wars book where Anakin was the main character. Clone Attack of the Clones era Anakin was the main character, but that's probably the only one that I've read. And I'm, I I look. I'm tired of the Empire, and I, I do think I endorse a masterpiece. I look forward to season two that's coming out next year. I can't wait for it all. But is there not more story to tell? And, and let's also talk about how 
Ahsoka and the Mandalorian are leading up to, and maybe the Acolyte, which is another, uh, it's a coming of age the Star Acolyte Wars. The Acolyte is actually set way in the Star Wars past. Never mind, so not, not the will, Acolyte. That will please you. No empire to be found, Christian. No, it's it's not the Acolyte, it's the Jude Law one. Skeleton Crew. Skeleton Crew is, is, is also, I think, maybe leading up to this. We'll talk about the Acolyte later. Um, but it's leading up to a Dave Filoni movie, <laughs> which I want to say will probably be the first Star Wars movie we get in a while. Um, and it'll, I my guess is that it'll come out 2025 or 2026. Well, here's the thing, Christian, is that there have been a lot of Star Wars movies announced over the past four okay. years. <laughs> there's, there's, there is, I, I'm going to counter your point. That being said, <laughs> talk about all of the Star Wars movies that have been announced. So... This is just the upcoming films section on Wikipedia. So there was a movie announced where Sean Levy was going to direct. Uh, Patty Jenkins was announced to be directing Rogue Squadron, a movie about some of the the spaceship pilots. Uh, That movie has since been indefinitely delayed. Taika Waititi was announced to be doing a Star Wars movie. Pretty sure that movie is still languishing in development. And more recently, it was announced that there were three new movies announced. One by James Mangold, which I, if you, can you recall the copy for me, Christian? <laughs> that it is a biblical epic? Yes, a biblical epic for Star Wars, which means Disney probably likes what he did with the uh, latest Indiana Jones movie. Although the reviews, uh, the early reviews Are don't seem awful. to be reflecting that. We'll see when that Are- movie actually comes out. But then Dave Filoni was announced to be directing and writing a new movie, and then Charmaine Ombaid Chinoy was announced to be uh, directing a, a new movie as well, written by Stephen Knight, who's a longtime Hollywood screenwriter. So that's just that's six movies, all of which have no release date, all of which are just considered in development. And Wait, that's I not even Ryan... to consider the untitled Ryan Johnson trilogy. Johnson trilogy. <laughs> that was announced after The Last Jedi released, and we've heard nothing about it since. David Benioff and D.B. Weiss, they, when they were still hot from Game of Thrones, they were going to be doing a Star Wars trilogy, and then that was canceled because their careers absolutely <laughs> went catast- catastrophe mode post-Game uh, of Thrones. Kevin Feige was supposed to take a trip down the hall from Marvel to, to Lucasfilm at Disney and do a Star Wars movie, but who knows about that. And... And still more, that's right, J.D. Dillard, the last director I'd heard, was announced to direct a movie. It says he is uh, no longer directing that film as of November 2022. So just an absurd amount of writers and directors attached to these movies, or producers, in Kevin Feige's case. And none of them have even entered pre-production. All of them are just sitting around in development. Here's the thing. Kevin Feige's net worth is $250 million. Yeah. I'm just going to... Just gonna put that there. I mean, good job, Kevin Feige. What's what's Kathleen Kennedy's net worth? I don't know what is. I I I I'm. I, look, I don't trust internet estimates of, of rich people's net worth. How I mean, how who are they getting that information? Is, is Kevin Feige's accountant calling Forbes and being like, "Hey, here's the latest." Kathleen Kennedy's is three fifty. <laughs> there we go, Christian. She's been in this business longer than he has. She has. Okay. There's there's a difference between all of the movies that you have talked about and Dave Filoni. And that Dave Filoni like, has actually gotten stuff made. <laughs> well, there are maybe three important differences. One is that Dave Filoni has been here since since end of the prequel trilogy. 
he has been around to helping with um, with Clone Wars, introducing many many characters. And the Clone Wars is an Emmy Award winning uh, it, it, at one point ratings juggernaut for Cartoon Network. On top of that, The Mandalorian and Ahsoka and Boca Boba Fett have been made. They have been made and they have taken over meme culture. They have taken over a lot of internet culture. People like Pedro Pascal is one of the most... It's so weird that people know his name when his face is barely ever shown in the show. That being said, it's, it's so incredibly important that these shows are being made and they have a story that they do want to tell. Also that this is primarily Dave Filoni's vision, but they want to capitalize on how popular these shows have been. And I do think that is the main reason I do believe that that this this um, heir to the Empire movie, which is what he's calling his movie, will actually be made. Yeah, I, I agree with you that if one of these people is going to get their Star Wars movie made, it probably will be Dave Filoni. And who knows what it will end up being. And I, I would be excited to see Star Wars on the big screen again. I, I still have a bad taste in my mouth from The Rise of Skywalker, but I am very curious um, as to what they could do next. I think where I am definitely with you is that I want to see other areas of the, the grand Star Wars universe explored, other time periods, other eras in history. And that's why I'm excited about something like The Acolyte, this Disney Plus show that's going to be releasing, I, I don't know, sometime in 2024, I think, but it's set in the future. Uh, and it should just be fun to see another era where we're not talking about the Empire or the First Order or <laughs> talking about Galactic Senates, hopefully. We're just seeing Jedi and Sith doing their thing. And I. But there, there is a Senate, that. though. There, there is a Senate. There's always a Senate. I, I spoke too soon. Um, okay. I wait. Well, well, you, uh, you, you messaged our group chat, which was um, the the thing. The tagline for the acolyte mean is is um, if if Frozen meets Kill Bill. Yes, that was. I think that was a quote from the the woman who is show running that show. Her name is Leslie Headland, and she said that, which is quite a combination of things. <laughs> I, I, too, love female-fronted action, Leslie, if it weren't obvious by my, my bold and loud feminist stance uh, stated at the beginning of this episode. 100%. Of you, 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 yes, you, you are pro-women. <laughs> now, now, I'm excited for it. I think that we are going to be able to see just a different side of the Jedi. It'll be cool to watch them not in active wartime. But mainly, I, I don't know. I'm, I'd am i love to go even further in the future and further in the past. Like, I'd love another Sith threat. I, I'd, I'd love a... Um, what's, the, what's the best way to put this? I'd love in 300 years who's, who's left and, and what new threat has popped up then the threat could be significantly smaller. It doesn't need to be an entire empire going to town on things. Maybe it's just this this one Jedi against this one villain on a mission that spans two movies. That would be cool and awesome. Because the thing about Star Wars is that Star Wars 
mid to late 2010s was just exhausting because it was everywhere. And here, it does feel like it scaled back a bit, despite the fact that there is a new season of something coming out every single year, sometimes two. But we are no longer fatigued from Star Wars. We're kind of wanting something to be back in front of us, which is very, very different than the MCU, which has, for the past three years, has had four or three movies coming out every single year which have had varying varying levels of success yeah we're we're just entering into a a new era in hollywood i mean that's that's what it feels like right now where we go through these generational shifts from time to time and obviously the mcu dominated the 2010s and you know the late aughts early 20s but the 2010s was the era of the MCU and so many others trying to create their own cinematic universe, whether it was the DC EU, the failed dark universe or whatever crazy ideas were announced that didn't get made. At one point, I think they were going to do a 22 jump street or 21 jump street and ghostbusters crossover movie. And that didn't happen, obviously, but amen, you know, that, that was the, that was the era. And, now we had a pandemic that was a huge pipe in the gears and the cogs. We, we had we had a we had a what? We had a I, I'm, pandemic. I'm I, I, I I'm not familiar with the term. That is what is this joke, Christian? <laughs> I'm suffering from the pandemic right now, and it put a huge break uh, on Hollywood. Obviously, where nothing was in production for a long time, the theaters were slow to open back up to full capacity and were mostly back now in terms of box office but also i really don't think that too many studios are going to try to go for a cinematic universe style of storytelling and it's partially because it only worked for marvel and for nobody else and now it's not really working for marvel because they have this huge unwieldy franchise that people are finding varying levels of investment in and so as it goes for disney uh, just to tie it all back to star wars I am curious to see, number one, how much further the streaming era goes, because that will obviously affect their what they put into production. And as long as Disney Plus is a thing, they're going to continue to make Star Wars TV shows to make that service worth buying. But if they really do try to shift back to theatrical, which I think all Hollywood studios should do, then we could start to see these Star Wars movies actually get made. Okay, here's the thing, though, Scott. DC has given their full slate of what their Phase 1 for their new universe is going to be. Yeah, good luck to them. They're, they are trying a cinematic universe all over again. Because <laughs> the first time went Did so poorly. Work. Yeah. Um, and there are... Uh, there's Okay, there's a difference between a cinematic universe, though, and a franchise. And that is, all cinematic universes are franchises, but not all franchises need to be cinematic universes. Yeah, of course. I, I didn't think that. I didn't mean to describe Star Wars as a quote unquote cinematic universe. I just meant that that was the era that we were sort of coming out of uh, in terms of big budget Hollywood filmmaking. And now it sort of remains to be seen with what's going to happen the rest of the 2020s as the MCU is dealing with some struggles of being the, the franchise on top right now. 
as streaming is struggling, as writers are striking and maybe actors are going to strike, maybe directors are going to strike, there's a real sense of uh, sense of change, I think, in the entertainment industry right now. And I'm just curious to see how it all plays out, like what kind of conversations we'll be having two years from now, let's say. It's also odd because look at some of the most positively reviewed movies of this year so far i mean scream six john wick chapter four across the spider verse um what else do we have coming up we have indiana jones and the dial of destiny we have mission impossible dead reckoning part one i mean creed three was positively reviewed three made good uh box office uh dungeons and dragons honorable thieves did not do super well at the box office but was really well reviewed there's I don't know. There's, um, I mean, obviously franchise movies are always going to make a little bit more. We've got Dune Part 2 coming up. There's, I, I, I weirdly think that as the MCU has declined, it's kind of given it a, it's kind of given other franchise movies a chance to step up and say, look, we are, we are focusing on just this one character and we're putting out a movie every like three to four years. Or we are just focusing on this story and we're going to put out a movie every couple of years. It's not always going to be the case. You're not going to expect a new movie from us every single year. But we can do something. And Star Wars has reached a point where we're not sick of Star Wars movies right now because they're not coming out. And so it, it'll, it would be cool if seven different people are working on Star Wars movies at a time. As long as it, to take it back to the beginning, look, we talked about the original trilogy, we love the original trilogy, and it feels like the original trilogy told a story. It, it, it set us up on a massive adventure, it took us to some real, real high highs, it was a morality tale as well, and most importantly, it landed the plane. They blew up that so, second Death Star, they danced with the teddy bears... They, Hell yeah, they, they waved did. at force ghosts. They did it. Um, and I, I, I guess maybe this is just a broader thing. There are some cool franchise movies that are also probably on the way. Like, have you heard that James Cameron's thinking about rebooting the Terminator franchise? Oh gosh, <laughs> I, I feel like I saw that, but it was attached to a quote about him saying how he wanted to see how AI sort of pans out in the next couple of years in terms of its. <laughs> it's it's becoming so much more widely used right now and he wants to see how it plays out before he makes a movie that could instantly age like milk so we'll see about that he's also not a young man and is committed to at least one more avatar movie with with disney so isn't he threatening seven uh you know he can threaten as much as he wants my butt will be in a will be in a seat he he, he's threatening a lot of avatar i love how i'm saying threatening because if he asks for a paycheck, it's a blank check. It's true. Nobody nobody makes big budget movies like Big Jim. I mean, it's a shame that we couldn't get him him in the Star Wars tent, but I think that's also a sad... He would that's, never. No, he wouldn't. It's also a sad way to think about things. You know, I think Hollywood is better because James Cameron was doing what James Cameron was doing, and obviously <laughs> people just always showed up to his movies uh, for the most part, and so... Lumping Actually, him in with the franchise that he didn't necessarily... I mean, he didn't create Alien, obviously. But. He 
he, he would have been really good for either an Empire or Return of the Jedi. I'd... Perhaps. In, uh, he, around yeah. the time of Return of the Jedi, which came out in 1987, he had made Aliens in 86, and then uh, The Abyss would come out in 89. So, Wait, Return of the Jedi is 87? Or was it, is it 83? I get my dates I mixed think up. It's, I think it's 80. Yeah, it's 83. Okay, so I was way off. He had made Piranha 2 The Spawning at that point. <laughs> oh, the exact same, actually, as Return of the Jedi. And One in the same movie. Yes, very similar films. Terminator would come out in 84, so... Cameron would have been uh, a little bit too soon for him. Um, that's all I really had for our discussion, Scott. Is there anything else you wanted to bring up? Christian, what are your general thoughts as you've been catching up on The Mandalorian and The Book of Boba Fett in semi-anticipation for this episode? The Book of Boba Fett's not a TV show. I don't like when you say this, Christian. It is a TV show. It's just one that you don't like. <laughs> and that's it okay. Takes, it takes a two- episode diversion in the middle to have no Boba Fett. Yes, it does. It is a show called The Book of Boba Fett. It is incredibly misguided. (laughs) And those two episodes are awesome. But, like, like, what the frick is it? There's, what are we doing? Um, and, and, and don't, don't answer that. Don't, just don't answer that. Because you don't know either. Um, and, 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 excuse me. The Mandalorian season three I saw Lizzo and Jack Black, and look, I don't know if Lizzo can act or not. Maybe she's an amazing, like, actress. But I will say they made absolutely no attempt to make her character, like, have some meat on the bone. And so... (laughs) Of course not. You're just watching, and you go, oh, that's Lizzo. Yeah. I guess. Okay. Hi, Lizzo. Like, that's, that's, that's the, and, and, and I know she's a fan of the show, but, like, guys, could we not have given her some more iconic lines then? Could we not have made her character just the, one more than a character that plays bocce ball and it's called the Duchess? The Mandalorian has been stunt casting for its entire runtime, and I understand how stunt casting Lizzo might be a little bit annoying, but I, I will just say. They have okay, been. Christopher Lloyd was given an important part of the plot, which was stupid, actually, his part of the plot. <laughs> but he was given stuff in the plot to do. The entire episode's stupid. I disagree. I think it. I think that the actual meat of the episode, which features uh, Din and Bo-Katan going on this like extremely low rent detective mission trying to figure out what's going on with the droids i think that was actually kind of fun it was just packed into a sandwich with some other stuff that definitely did not work at the end of season two of mandalorian grogu goes away to train to be a jedi and he comes back in book of boba fett so if you don't watch book of boba fett you don't know why grogu is back in season three yes it's it was incredibly misguided they either needed to say like the mandalorian the book of boba fett or something or they just needed to make the book of boba fett like a four episode event just drop it all at once and don't do the stuff with din and grogu look and 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 here's here's actually a a a main issue i have with these shows there are like 10 people who live on tatooine there are like 15 mandalorians there are like in, 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 in the in the battle like that where where they um, the pirates are attacking that planet yeah 
like when the planet escapes, there's like twelve of them. Yeah, <laughs> this bustling city of fifty people. <laughs> like, guys, look, look. I know you have at least some money left in the budget. Get that, a couple more extras. Get get some more extras. One this of my is... consistent problems with Disney is that. I know if you go look at Disney's stock price or whatever, we can see the ways where maybe their stock isn't doing as hot and therefore there's not as much money as we think. But Disney is one of the, is the biggest brand in entertainment. Almost, almost inarguably. It is one of the longest and most successful movie-making enterprises of all time. And they brought in freaking Marvel and all of their comics and all of their characters and Lucasfilm, and all of their everything, and all of their characters. And yet, these super expensive shows always end up looking cheap. And I'm just I'm just like, Disney, what is Why? going on? What is going on? We know you have the money. It's because, and to kind of wrap this all up, we can say, it's because they are, are doing too much at once. And there's been, some, there's been a lot written about Marvel in particular, is how they are the biggest client for the visual effects side of Hollywood right now. They give the most work, but they also give the tightest deadlines and the lowest budget. But there's there's just so much to do that people are, in some ways, forced into taking Marvel Studios' work because if they don't take Marvel's contract, then they might get screwed out of some of these bigger opportunities later. Okay, look. The Mandalorian was shot in Manhattan Beach. You telling me someone couldn't stick their head out the window and say, hey, who wants to be in a Star Wars movie? We'll pay you 50 bucks and a hot meal. I don't know if and people would casting extras works, Christian. Look. Not look, these days, at least. You're telling me they couldn't do that? I'm, I'm so they, – they, they for sure could have gotten some people. People in Manhattan Beach would be busy getting matcha and going for walks in their athleisure clothing to be oh, extras yeah. in a Star Wars movie. If Star Wars ever shows a hippie, a hippie Jedi, I'm done. Dude, I'd be that so will mad. be that that I, that would like smoking some spice weed or something like that. Like, Dude, um, get, what do you think Yoda was doing all those years waiting for waiting for Luke to show up? He had to wait. Like, I don't even know how old Luke is in that first movie, but Yoda leaves from no, Coruscant no, no. at the end of Revenge of the Sith. I mean, that guy's sitting there for. 18 years minimum just waiting for Luke to show up. There is no chance he wasn't doing some kind of Dagobin drug. If he's snorting spice, it's okay. If he's smoking spice, it's bad. Why is that, Christian? Because snorting is cool in a punk rock sort of way. I feel like punk rockers smoked cigarettes, and that was kind of their thing. That was their their punk expression. (laughs) Let's... Look, let's let's end it. Let's end this and 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 tell the people. Let's end this. <laughs> that is Star Wars, everybody. Hope you enjoyed our discussions of the movies this past month. Had a lot of good friends of the show coming on to discuss those movies with us. And of course, you can catch all of them on Disney Plus if you miss them. And a lot of the stuff that we talked about, of course, is available on Disney Plus as well, or will be in the foreseeable future. Next month. In this current month, as we're talking, it's June 2nd already, but next month for the show is June, and there's just a bevy of exciting movies coming to theaters. At the time of this recording, Across the Spider-Verse has just hit theaters to rave reviews and already very strong box office, but we're also getting a ton of big movies in June. Indiana Jones is coming at the end of the month, there's going to be a new Transformers movie, 
But there's also a smaller scale movie, not quite a blockbuster, but one from not only one of the most notable American directors of today's day and age, but also one of my favorites. And that is Wes Anderson, whose new movie Asteroid City is coming to theaters June 16th. So I wanted to take this opportunity in the midst of a very fun month at the movies to talk about one of my favorites and one who, Christian, remind me on your your Wes Anderson general position. I know you've, I think my assumption is hit or miss, but I'm curious where you generally land. Um, generally mid positive. There are some movies that I love and there are some movies that I'm just, just I just don't get. Well, well, we'll see how that goes for you, Christian. And We'll be starting with one of his earlier films, his third film, actually, and that is The Royal Tenenbaums, which is, let me let me check my handydandyjustwatch.com uh, to see if that is streaming anywhere for folks who want to check it out. So The Royal Tenenbaums is not streaming anywhere currently. I think the other ones that we'll be discussing this month are, so hopefully that will improve. But check out The Royal Tenenbaums, rent it, borrow it from the library, do whatever you gotta do, and join us for our episode on it next week. And until next week, that is our show. So, of course, thank you for listening. There are a few things that you can do to support the show. Number one, leave us a rating or a review wherever you get your podcasts, and subscribe while you're at it. Helps us, of course, grow on all those platforms, reach new listeners, and we greatly appreciate the support. You can also send us an email. Cinemadrippodcast at gmail.com is the email. And we love to get listener feedback, honestly, just to know that we are talking about movies that you are interested in hearing about. So send us your thoughts, cinemadrippodcast at gmail.com. If there's a Star Wars movie that you love, if there's a Wes Anderson movie you love, you want to make sure we talk about, send it in. You can also follow myself and the show on Twitter, Christian on Instagram, and the both of us on Letterboxd, where we are regularly rating and reviewing the things that we are watching. Christian, any final thoughts for the folks listening along at home? I have seen Across the Spider-Verse. Y'all, it's, it's pretty incredible. I have not seen Across the Spider-Verse because I have COVID. Until next time, folks, I'm Scott, he's Christian, and this has been the Cinema Drip Podcast.